Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley and is sponsored by Hillel Stanford, Upwest, and Hippo Insurance. And I'm so excited to have you all with me today because we have Hillel Fould, startup advisor and tech columnist, as our guest. Hillel Fould has been named the seventh top 10 blogger worldwide, Israel's top marketer, and on Forbes was dubbed the man transforming startup nation to scale-up nation. He is a global speaker, tech blogger, startup marketer, and leading online influencer. Today, Hillel collaborates with companies such as Google, Oracle, and Microsoft to help early and later stage entrepreneurs take their local technology to a global scale. All right, so Hillel Fould, why are you up at 6.45 a.m.? Listen, Michael Matias asks me to get up, I get up. That's it. He tells me to show up, I show up. There's no questions asked here, man. What am I going to tell you? And that dog, man. How am I going to say no to that dog? All right, all right. Okay, okay. Hillel, you're in like 50 places at once. I, I seriously can't keep up. Even if I wanted to, I can't keep up. How do you do it? Today is my day. Is that what you, yeah? Well, yeah, today is my day, but I was referring to what's in the cup. A lot of (laughs) caffeine. No, but um, I mean, listen, it's become, it's become somewhat of a cliche to give this answer. And so you'll forgive me in advance for the cliche, um, but it's it's really the truth. And, uh, you know, I I know that it's maybe a cliche for other people. For me, it's, it's been my career. And the answer to that question is passion. Uh, It's, it's genuine, authentic passion for, for what I do. Uh, loving every second of it. I don't obviously view it as work. And so when I wake up at 4 a.m. to catch up on tech news, it's because, well, how can I not wake up at 4 a.m. to catch up on tech news? Um, and so, you know, when I interview entrepreneurs and when I'm working with startups, it's what I love doing. So, yeah, just trying to, you know, maximize my time. Okay, fine. But you're excited about tech. You're excited about entrepreneurship. But, but you know, after... I don't know how many years you've been doing this. How do you not develop some sort of cynicism? Another startup raised another $20 million in the cyberspace and another health tech. I mean, I, I, I get the passion. I'm passionate myself, but how do I maintain this passion 10, 20 years down the line? I've been doing this for over 10 years. Um, I, I don't think cynicism and passion are mutually exclusive. I can be cynical. And when I when someone calls me and says, hey, I have an idea for a startup that's going to be the next Facebook, you know, I... I get pretty cynical. <laughs> um, and then my passion kicks in of explaining to them why an idea for a startup is, is virtually worthless. Um, and that Facebook didn't have an idea. Twitter didn't have an idea. None of these companies had any ideas. They had execution. Um, and so, you know, I think, yeah, I think I am, I am cynical because I see a lot of garbage and a lot of, you know, ridiculous ideas. Um, but, you know, you can be cynical and passionate at the same time. Okay, so so tell me about you, you can't be passionate about everything, about all tech and all entrepreneurship. So what really gets you excited throughout your throughout the endless number of people that you're meeting? So I think um, much like the business sector as a whole, I don't think technology is the focus here. In other words, it's not the technology that gets me excited. Yeah, I love I love technology, but what gets me excited is meeting these entrepreneurs who literally they fire in their eyes and you know more often than not, they're looking to change the world by means of technology, but the technology is not the center of anything. I don't think any company in today's, well, I'm not going to say today's economy because today doesn't, there is no economy, but I mean, two months, three ago. months ago economy. Um, I don't think any company won because of the technology, right? The technology is not, it's not the core, it's not the center of it all. 
it's the execution, you know, it's marketing is a big part of it. Um, but I think both an idea and technology, you know, raw technology are, are not, not worthless because they're, they're the means to the end of the vehicle, but that's, that's all they are. They're the vehicle. So just, so just for a bit of context, you advise dozens of startups. You work with the biggest companies in the world. Uh, you meet dozens of people a day and you, record, and, you, and you take a recording of it on your 405 vlog episodes on YouTube. Where each of them is incredible. Um, what, I mean, after, after 10 years, give me, give me some of your two cents of, of what do you, what's some of the biggest mistakes and some of the biggest successes that you see over and over again. And if you were to create something, what, what are the key takeaways that you would take from this time? Okay, so yeah, it is important to give a disclaimer. First of all, I'm, you know, it's easy for me to talk as the guy who stands on the sidelines. I'm, you know, I'm not risking millions of dollars and years of my life building companies, you know, so, I, and again, I, and I have built companies and I haven't built any billion dollar companies. So disclaimer, like, I'm just giving my opinion and, you know, anybody's more than welcome to ask the following question. What, what has this guy done in his life? And the answer is nothing. So, well, it's good enough for Inc. and the Jerusalem Post. So it'll be good enough for me too. All right. So, um, well, Listen, I think that mistake number one that I see is uh, the glorification of entrepreneurship. People, you know, they read on TechCrunch that this company raised $300 million, this company, whatever. People don't realize the grit that goes into this. And not only is it the grit, but it's the, it's actually like, from a statistics standpoint, if you like analyze this statistically, I think that by all definitions, being an entrepreneur is actually insane. Like, you got to be insane to be an entrepreneur. Like you, you. You know, I say this all the time. If you tell me that I'm going to stand in that place and there's a 95% chance that lightning will strike, well, why would I do that? You got to be an idiot. But if I tell you to spend millions of dollars and years of your life building something that 95% chance will fail, why would you do that? And the answer is because you have entrepreneurship running through your veins and you don't have a choice as an entrepreneur. Uh, and so, number one, I think that the biggest mistake that people make is to glorify what it means to be a successful entrepreneur. And that manifests itself in so many ways. Just to give one example, you know, people think about, oh, I'm going to launch it. And, you know, yeah, I'm going to get press. I'm going to get funding. Well, where does the research come in here? No one talks about, oh, I did, you know, two months of market research and competitive analysis. because That's not a sexy story. But you will 100% fail as an entrepreneur if you don't know who you're up against. And to be clear, I don't mean, you know, doing a couple of hours of Googling to figuring out, to figure out that no one's doing the exact same thing as you. So you can go tell your investor, look, no one's right. doing the same thing as me. What I mean is building a landscape of 50 to 100 companies that are in your space. When I say in your space, I don't mean they're building the exact same thing as you. I mean, who's targeting your target audience? I mean, who's using the same value prop as you? Who's using your pitch? Even if it's a different product, you might be using mobile, they might be using web, but are they targeting the Washington Post and you're targeting the Washington Post? Are you both offering the Washington Post you know, more time on page for their readers? Then you're direct competitors. So do that research before you spend a dime, literally, on anything. Spend a month, two months building that landscape of 50 to 100 companies, not for an investor, not for anybody, for yourself. Because, and, and be humble enough to say, all right, maybe this was a mistake because look what's going on here. And there are 35 companies that have succeeded in my space or alternatively, there are 35 companies who have tried and failed in my space and I don't know why they failed and why I'm going to succeed. But all of these things are absolutely crucial because otherwise you're basically shooting in the dark. What do you, what do you, you don't even know who you're up against. You don't know who's tried, who's failed, who succeeded, why they failed, why they succeeded. The answer is stop glorifying it. It's not as sexy as you think and start working your butt off and doing a lot of research, knowing what you're up against. And only then, once you decide that after seeing the entire, you know, wider perspective of the market, you, you're still ready to move forward, then we can start talking. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I had the privilege now of, of working with Oded, Harmony, and Jay Ventures for a bit over six months uh, and seeing a lot of startups, meeting a lot of founders and following up on due diligence. And one of the things that I started noticing uh, pretty quickly is that it, one of the one of the big red flags that you get is when you're asking these founders some of the difficult questions and their answers are too good to be true or they're way too confident in all the different aspects. And it's, it's as if there's no gaps because th- there's always crap somewhere. And and if they don't volunteer to to bring it up, then 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 something smells. And, and then you you're left with the question, did, are, is this honest? Is this truthful? Uh, I much rather see a person who acknowledges the the downsides of what's happening than somebody who says this is all flowers and happiness. So, uh, Hill, in order to wake up at at four a.m. and 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 even if you wake up at four a.m. and you go to sleep, uh, whenever you go to sleep, you still only have so many hours in the day. Yet you manage to do so much, and your you take pride in your productivity. I know that. So, teach me a little bit about productivity and what can I do to improve my productivity. Well, I, I take more than pride in my productivity. It actually makes me profoundly happy to be productive, honestly, and vice versa. When I'm not productive, I feel down. I'm like, I've got to do stuff. Uh, call it ADD, call it whatever you want. But um, yeah, I love being productive. That's the truth. Um, and, I, and I'm going to, I guess, do something a little uncharacteristic, I hope, of myself and, and, and pat myself on the, on the shoulder here and say that what I, what I get done on an, on an average day, I think the average person gets done in a week. You know, and I'm being, that's another, I think it's probably more than that. And, and the, the reason is that I've, I've highly, highly optimized my time management. Um, I've created certain uh, shortcuts slash hacks into um, maximizing my time and cutting corners where it's applicable and appropriate to cut corners and not, this is a very important emphasis, and not where it's inappropriate to cut corners. So I'm not cutting corners, I'm building relationships. I'm not cutting corners and automating my social media so that I post one thing and it distributes everywhere because that's not personalizing it to a specific audience and that's just defeating the purpose. I'm cutting corners where I can. So for example, one of my favorite, and I don't I call it a hack, just for lack of a better term, but it's not a hack, it's built into the iPhone, is um, is communication. And I, I, I basically set up in my settings of the keyboard on, on, on my iPhone, it basically an entire dictionary, and, I, and I'm quite literally, I mean a dictionary, full of keyboard shortcuts. So when I uh, am writing an email, and, you know, someone says to me, for example, okay, let's meet, you know, tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., I now need to send them an email saying, or a message uh, saying, okay, great, thank you. You know, if you don't mind, please send me a calendar invite so it's locked in. Here's my email address. And that's, you know, I sent you yesterday. Uh, and, and that's just to be, you know, I'll show, maybe I'll be able to demo it for you. Let's see. This is my email. Yep. I'm going to show it to you. Let's, all right. So if I write the words lock, see, it's hard to type like this. Can you see my screen? Yep. I write the word lock. See, lock. Yeah. And word lock again. And lock. Boom. Wow. Right. I just wrote So how many of those do you have? And it fills in the sentence. And I've basically, I just want to show you what that looks like on my actual screen. Uh, in my key, in my general settings of my iPhone under keyboard, there's a thing called text replacements here. Text replacements, and these are all the text replacements that I've Holy set up. Holy crap. Wow. Yeah, it's entire so when I say to you that out of every 20 Amazing. emails that I send, I would say 19 of them or maybe 18 of them are actual shortcuts and I didn't actually write the email. It's not an exaggeration. Anybody asking for my bio, you ask me for my bio, boom, send you the bio in what? How long? A second? Right? It, uh, it was very, very me, impressive. <laughs> Someone says to me, uh, you know, I want to meet you. This is this is a good one, actually. Entrepreneurs write to me, 
don't know, 50 times a day. I want to meet. Right? They're like, can, you, can we have coffee? Or now yeah. a Zoom. Now, here's, here's my objective. My objective is, on the one hand, to be a mensch and try to be nice to them. On the other hand, I don't want to be a waste of, wasting my time. And, you know, if, if this is a person that wants to meet because, you know, they want an introduction to investors, then send me an email and I'll forward to an investor and make an introduction. I don't need to meet you for that. And it's just a waste of my time and your time. I'm not right. that I'm some kind of hot shot, but why waste time? No, and hello, last time we met, you you explained to me how important it is for you to know that you're able to provide them value and you're aware of your shortcomings. And some there are some cases where you don't feel like you can provide value and you don't want you don't want to do that then. hundred percent. I'm not gonna definitely not, you know, that's one that's question one oh one. Well, what do you even do? I mean, if you're building, right. you know, a an electrical engineering, you know, what what am I gonna do for you? You know, yeah. if you're building um, I don't know, a deep, deep deck in cyber. It's just not my area, right? Um, now, if I can help, fantastic. I'm always happy to help, but, but you know, let's make sure that it's relevant. And so I, I, I have to ask the question, what is the context of this meeting? You want to meet. Why do you want to meet? You want to meet because you want introduction to investors? You want to meet because you want me to write about you? You want me to meet because you want me to interview you? What, what are we meeting about? And I have to ask that question in a way that's, again, not condescending, but, but gets to the point. And it's but direct. it's also very not like our world, right? Especially here, you know, having been here for about eight months in Palo Alto, if I were to, if somebody would ask me, hey, let's meet, and I would ask them, hey, what are you, what, why are we meeting? That's insulting. How do you, how do you get around I, I, that? So, I, I mean, I'll, you know what, I'll, I'll read to you, <laughs> literally, just so you know, I showed you this, the, the lock, lock thing. Yeah. Let me show you another one. I write the word context, context, and I make it with two question marks, context. Ready? Watch this. Yeah. Filled in that whole entire thing just now. Holy I'll tell you what it, what it says. Thanks for the email. Just need a bit more context here. Meaning, some people reach out to me as a blogger, others because of the vlog, others reach out in a marketing capacity, others because they're fundraising. I just need a bit of clarification here of the context goal of the meeting. Thanks, and I hope it's okay to be so direct. In my experience, context is extremely important when it comes to these things, so there is no misalignment of expectations. That could get awkward. Looking forward to your response. Now, let me be very clear why I, why I asked that. And I'll give you, I mean, it's happened to me I don't even know how many times it happened to me last week. Someone made an introduction, a friend who I really, really like and respect. She just introduced me to this entrepreneur. She didn't ask me first. She didn't give me context first. She just, her friend said, I want to speak to her. I know your friends with him. Can you introduce me? So she made the introduction. And so we jump on the call. And again, I'm not throwing anyone under the bus. It's a great company. They do great things. But what did she want from me? She's, she built a developer tool and she wants me to introduce her to developers in tech companies. So number one, I'm like, and I said this in her, I don't mean that. I didn't say it in this way, but hello, I'm not your sales team, number one. Like, Go buy a salesperson. Number two, my relationships and organizations are not with the, with the developers. Right. I'm, I'm on the marketing front. Like people say to me all the time, hey, you work with Google, could you get me a job there? I'm like, come on, dude, really? You know, so like it's, and then I'll email your dad, by the way. But <laughs> but, uh, but the point is like, you know, I, I, listen, I, I try to be nice to people. I try to be respectful, but I need, I need to, you know, see if it's relevant. So I send that email and that saved me hundreds and hundreds of hours of meetings that were just unnecessary. Um, and, but the bottom line is in terms of the productivity hack, you know, these shortcuts are super, super helpful. Even your email address. How many times a day do you write your email address? So instead of writing out my email address, I write four letters and it fills it in. That's so right? smart. Like my phone number, my home address, anything that I write more than once, I set up a shortcut. I'm driving and someone texts me that I, uh, that I don't want to ignore, but I don't want to text them while I'm driving. So I write the word T-R-I-I, driving, but D-R-I-I. That's it. And it writes, I'm driving, I'll talk to you later. So they get a response, they're happy, and I... There you go. Just an example, but the point is, I have hundreds, you saw, I have hundreds of them. 
And I use them all the time, like for just for everything. I mean, getting people jobs. I set up a, a folder in my Google Drive full of CVs. Instead of going to my Google Drive and copying the link and then pasting it every time, I set up a shortcut saying, you're looking for a tech person, you're looking for a marketing person. I write the word marketing CV, it fills in, here's a link to marketing CVs, blah, 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 link. I save myself countless, countless You know, Hillel, somebody told me, somebody told me when I was younger, if you want something to get done, give it to the busiest person in the room. And I think, I mean, you're, you're just an example of that. You're, it's the people who are who get excited about about getting stuff done, and they'll find a way to get everything done and do it in a very very good way. Uh, and I I, I feel I, I feel very I, I it really speaks to me what you're saying. When I have a slow day, when nothing uh, too much is happening, it's very hard for me to get anything done. But when I have a day of a hundred things, the hundredth and first thing that I have to do, easy. It's somehow it, it ends up in the calendar and it gets done immediately. Yeah. You uh, get exposed to so many industries. What's your favorite? Where, what, what do you really get excited about? And if you had to choose where you would work in which industry, which one would it be? Um, well, I guess I can answer that question in two ways. Let's see, we can answer that question as a consumer myself. And that's an important point, by the way. You know, oftentimes people, you know, they, they tailor their messaging for like CIOs or CTOs. They forget that that CIO or CTO goes home at six o'clock and becomes a consumer. So everyone's consumers. So I can answer that question from a consumer perspective and then maybe from a, um, let's call it market analyst or blogger or journalist perspective. Sure. From a consumer perspective, the tech that most excites me by far is drones. I mean, if you think about, I'm, I'm saying like, if you, if you want to know how far we've come technologically, honestly, there's nothing better that, to depict that and to illustrate that than a drone. I mean, I'm talking about, I, I have upstairs, you know, the, yeah. the new Mavic, um, you know, the, new, uh, the new Mavic Mini. Like, this thing is, is this big. It's this big. It has... I don't know how many cameras on it. It has endless sensors built in. You have 20 GPS satellites connected to this thing at any given point. It flies miles away. It takes, you know, basically professional level video. It's big. It's, it's wild. I mean, it's just wild. And, there, and there, the amount of companies in this space, uh, EGBs and all these companies building technology for drones, it's, it's truly an unbelievable space. Uh, and I, on a personal level, I have a collection of drones here right next to me. Um, and I love them. I think they're unbelievable. And, Truly, like, it's hard to believe. That, that, that's, as far as I'm concerned, the two technologies that I think really make me feel like I'm in the future are drones and, uh, and autonomous cars, right? I'm, my Volvo is semi-autonomous. I drive to Tel Aviv without touching the steering wheel or the, or the, the gas. It's crazy. Yeah, parking, is, it's wild. I feel like I'm in a, I'm in a science fiction movie. Uh, so I think that, that that's from a, uh, from a consumer perspective, I'd say drones and autonomous cars, you know, autonomous driving is, are, just blow my mind. Um, from a from a market perspective, the things that interest me most, I think, um, or the space that interests me most, um, is the the whole human computer interaction. So, how do humans interact with computers, right? In other words, once upon a time, we obviously had the clicker. I mean, a mouse, it's still a mouse, right? This thing. I mean, if you think about what's happening here, I haven't seen this since like second long, grade. I, I'm just saying, like, think about what you're doing. Like, really, really, right? So we have that, and then comes, you know. This, which is is not fundamentally better, in my humble opinion. I still think the fact that people are walking around like this in 2020 is absurd. Um, I don't know, you know, I, I'm not a prophet, but I, but there's, this is going to change, right? And uh, in general, I think the way we interact uh, with virtual content, you know, AR, VR, MR, right? I mean, leaving aside the whole uh, monster valuation, whether that was justified or not, I don't know if you had a chance to demo magically. But it blew my mind magically. Literally, from a technological perspective, it blew my mind. I'm, I'm interacting physically with something virtual. I'm hitting down dominoes that aren't really there. 
makes no sense uh, and really bends your mind. So the whole how we're going to interact with computers uh, in the future, whether it's holograms, glasses, AR, uh, we're, for sure, we're surely not going to be wearing virtual headsets like, like in today's form uh, form factor. But that 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 intrigues me because that has to change. We're all becoming increasingly dependent on our devices, and we are looking and acting like zombies when we sit there like this. So that's going to change, and, and I'm curious to see where it goes. But from a market perspective, all you know, all the hyper uh, VR and all the things that I'm sure you've experienced. I've, I've had the chance to demo some technology that it's it literally like I, I, there's a company in Israel called Odyssey. They call it hyper reality, where they put me in a in a room half the size of this room, tiny little room, and I know in my brain that I'm in a room. So I, like, how does your brain trick you? You know you're in a room. They put like a knapsack on me and headset on me, and I'm in an, an, a virtual reality scene. And what they do is, if I approach a fire in the scene, they put a like a heater in the room. So when I approach the fire, I feel hot, right? And so it, it it uses all your senses. And I'm telling you, at one point in the scene, I'm standing on a on a shaky bridge, and I swear to you, I was paralyzed. I couldn't move. I was terrified. And and, and in my brain, I knew I'm in a room. I knew like you're in a freaking room, dude. Doesn't help. I, my brain doesn't understand what it's seeing. I digest. It's wild. Um, and so, I, you know, I don't know how to apply the technology. That's a discussion whether there is an application for this, the whole AR, MR, VR thing. But from a technological perspective, it blows my mind. And I think, um, you know, there have been many attempts, obviously, at interacting with our devices differently, Google Glass and all those guys. But I, I don't think anyone's really cracked it. Whoever does has a big paycheck ahead of them. Unbelievable. Hell, one of the things that I've been most curious about um, is uh, religion and and how religion plays uh, in tech and uh, you know, every week you you set you submit a post signing off for twenty five plus hours of family, whatever, whatever. How do you deal with that dissonance that you're blogging all day long, you're constantly active on social media and on the whatever devices, and then comes the weekend and you take the time off and you disconnect? How does it work? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on your premise. Why, why is there a dissonance? I don't, I'm not understanding. I, I think they actually go like a glove on a hand. Perfect. You compliment it perfectly. Tell all me. Week. I'm in hyper mode. I'm working 18 hours a day and Shabbat, I'm offline. I disconnect and I, you know, I, I focus internally. Um, whether it's prayer, whether it's being with friends and family, it actually, in my opinion, if I did not have Shabbat, I'll be honest with you, I'm not judging anyone, but if I did not have Shabbat, I'd lose my mind. I can't be in hyper mode 24-7, 365 days a year, uh, and I love it. So, you know, number one, you know, people ask me this question on a, in a broader way, if whether or not my kippah that I wear on my head or other things, you know, affect my career. And, and I'll be honest, like over the years, I, mean, I just got a, I just got a uh, Slack message half an hour ago from the Inc. Uh, magazine team that I was invited to a virtual event today at 7, uh, or I'm sorry, it's 12 uh, p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, which is Shabbat in Israel, which I don't use electronics, so I can't join it. So from a logistical, technical perspective, yeah, I've lost out, quote-unquote, on opportunities over the years, summits and events that I was invited to, even by Google that I couldn't do because it was on Friday and Shabbat. We had this expert summit in California once a year that I couldn't come to the last two years because it was on Shabbat. So from that perspective, yeah, I've, quote-unquote, lost out. But from a professional perspective, career-wise, not only have I not lost out, but I believe it's become part of my brand and people, A, come to expect it and B, respect it. Of course. Um, I, I try to take the lessons, the Torah lessons that I teach my kids and apply them to business every week. And now I'm writing a book about that. Um, and so I, I think it's become, uh, it, it, I don't think it's, it's given me a challenge. I think it's actually become part of my 
I'm not want to say success because I'm not a success story. It's part of my brand. It's part of my thing. Yeah, I, I started doing something called Digital Sabbath um, from with inspiration from a friend, Drew Bent. He, uh, he's at the Stanford Business School now, and he does Digital Sabbath where every Saturday he logs off. He's not religious or anything, but he says this is a time for him to reflect and take a mental break and and allow his brain to focus on things that in the day-to-day there is just no space to. And Chaim Tesler from our crowd also, uh, he 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 told me that I, that I should try it out, and I did, and I loved it, and I've been doing it a few times. Uh, but, you know, it's hard sometimes that you constantly have this expectation from yourself and others to be constantly connected and all of a sudden feeling that, ah, oh, I know that I have 10 messages now and I don't know what opportunities are on my phone and I'm not going to touch it. And unless it's ingrained in you, it's difficult. Yeah, but it sounds, yeah. Uh, but, but, but it's definitely something that, that I've been trying to do. Hillel, uh, you have to go to meet your 50 other people of the day. But before that, I need three words that describe you. Ooh, three words. How about three letters? Let's do it. D-D-D. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, three words that describe me. I mean, that I describe myself or that I hope others describe me. You have to be clarify the question. You choose. That I hope, you know, that one day people will describe me with these three words. I'll say, hopefully, uh, hopefully generous. Um, um, I would say passionate for sure. Um, and facilitator. I would hope that that would be the word to describe what I do. I, I try to facilitate the success of others and give others a stage. When, when, when too many people are focused on promoting themselves, I, I realize that actually promoting others is the best business model because you end up sharing that stage with them. So uh, I hope facilitator. And I'll add a fourth one. Last time we met in Serona, you told me stay a mensch, be a mensch and stay a mensch. So I'm going to add that a fourth one for you as a mensch. Hello, thank you so much. If I had said that, then I wouldn't be a mensch. If I had said that about myself, I'm just kidding. There you go. Hello, thank you so much.